Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one not-to-scale minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Amenos in the news. And joining us once again, Scott Tofty. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. And we are going back to Minute 48, which starts with Doc responding to Marty over uh, walkie-talkie. And ends with Doc explaining their failsafe point. Ah, uh, yes. So this is the big uh, this is the big model minute. Did we get a model in the second movie? I don't remember. I don't. Did we think get we one did in? Did we see remains of a model? Uh, we wouldn't have seen it in alternate eighty five, would we? No, no. I think I, I think part two was completely model less. Besides those no. passing shots of the the model set from part one, which I don't even think we got. I think I'm thinking of a video game, right? Um, yeah, there we see the model. There you see the model at the beginning of this movie, right? Um, right, that's true. And then and then you see it in the video game, but I don't I don't remember. I think the closest thing to a model we get in the second movie is the model of timelines that Doc does. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's hardly a model. It's more of a diagram. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Cause it feels such, it feels like such a, like a used gag. Well, yeah, it feels like a used gag because of the way that they reference it. And it feels like, it feels like such a, like part of built into the DNA of back yeah. to the future. Yeah. It, it, it feels like it's been a part of the franchise for longer than it probably actually has. Yes. It's right. been in all seven movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's like, it, it's such a, when, when they do the, the thing, the joke, you know, he's like, Oh, you know, it's not quite just scary. Like, it's fine. Doc. Like, I, I loved <laughs> it so much. The, the, the crude, the crude models, uh, not to scale models are the death star of the back to the future trilogy. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Or the, uh, star killer base, if you would. <laughs> not yet. Cause we haven't gotten to, <laughs> we haven't we, gotten to back to the future four yet. All right. And we don't know if last Jedi will have star killer base. That's true. <laughs> I hope not because it, it, it blew up. Yes. Yeah. Right. It blew up, right? It blew up. It, okay. it blew in. Anyway. Oh, that's right. Okay, um, but yeah, no, that the 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 model in this minute looks it looks amazing. It looks like something a Hobbit's made. No, I know it's it's. I think that the line about please excuse the crudity of my model <laughs> is even funnier this time because it's even more elaborate. <laughs> than the one from 1955. So also what I love about it is the fact that for Marty, these two events are a few days apart, maybe a week at the mm-hmm. most. Yeah. But for Doc, it's literally been like 50 years. <laughs> and he's you still know? making models. Yeah. You have or, I'm think- sorry, 30 years, 30 years. Yeah. It's so been 30 I never, years. I never got too deep into the game, but did it ever talk about like – Doc Brown, Emmett Brown as a youngster having like an affinity for building models and like, or like being a train guy, like a model train kid. Wasn't like, there, did, there, there, there's a, there's some sort of like train or model or something in, uh, 
in Young Doc's lab, isn't there? I think Nick? so. Yeah, so I, maybe. I figure like for one of his passions, aside from being the saxophone king of Hill Valley, um, is that mm, he's got to spend an enormous amount of time in a workshop basement of his mansion, something just putting together like these giant room sized like towns of toy train models. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which, I, I think it's how he spends his free time. Yes. Yeah. Everybody needs his, a hobby. Yeah, it's his leisure activity. Mm-hmm. Um, another point on this, if I may. So Doc being as paranoid as he is about affecting the timeline, yada, yada, yada. Um, he is doing his best to hide the fact that he's got a time machine in his workshop, but he builds a model that looks like something no one's ever seen in this time. And then he writes the words <laughs> time machine on it for all to see. Like, I just I'm hoping that when they left, like he burned all this stuff because I mean, that's that's kind of a big uh, a big thread to dangle, you know? Yeah, just just what do you, he sets a match and drops it. And Marty's like, what are you doing, Doc? And he's like, I'm burning my lab down. And he turns to Marty and he goes, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Um, we have so, fun. Yeah. I love the bullet shells on the back of the DeLorean model um, to emulate the time travel gadgetry. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever noticed that before. I was like, I'm freeze framing like every section of this as I go through and watch it. And I think it's the first time I noticed. I used to think they were double A batteries. I'm like, well, that wouldn't make any sense. Right. It does look like double A batteries. It definitely does. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, I have no idea what, what actually, you know what? I feel like, you know, other than obvious things like, um, you know, the flux capacitor or the the magazine, the almanac, other than like really obvious stuff like that, I feel like if I could have any just like background dumb prop from back the Back to the Future series, it would be that dumb little model time machine car. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, it's pretty slick. It looks like something that Santa Claus gave out at like the very first Christmas. <laughs> right. <laughs> It really does. Well, what, what's crazy, though, is that, like, did he just buy that car or did he carve it himself? Is it oh, made out of uh, wood? He, he 100% yeah, wood. He, he 100% whittled he that. whittled that, that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and also, as we're looking around Doc's uh, workshop, I, I had gone back and actually started listening to a lot of the old Back to the Future minutes in my free time. And this whole idea of the <laughs> mm-hmm. saxophone king of Hill Valley yeah, uh, really resonates well, with me as a musician. Oh, good, so right? I well. thought I would I would bring that up a little bit. I'm very disappointed that he did not have a saxophone around because the saxophone was invented in 1840. He he may have been able to procure one. However, they were not Whoa. widely used in America until the early 1900s around World War One. So he could have actually, you know, found yeah. himself a saxophone if he tried really hard. But he might have actually done damage to the timeline by introducing it more uh, uh broadly than oh wow it, it so, he, so, he, time. so he so he couldn't i i had no idea that saxophones were that new i guess i never thought about it mm-hmm. really but that's not i mean when you consider uh they were called uh, the devil's horn for a long time nice <laughs> wow oh it's a, it's the it's the original rock and roll uh instrument 
Oh yeah, well that's I mean it, it, quite literally when you had early rock and roll bands in the in the fifties they were you know basically a jazz combos with a backbeat so saxophone was a huge mm-hmm. part of them you look at like Louis Jordan or any of those guys and uh, it it quite literally it fit into that whole like devil's music ethos of rock and roll quite well back in the day. Oh man, I bet I bet Doc's dad hated that he played the saxophone. Oh, why couldn't you have played the oboe? Oh, Emmett, you played that that devil's horn. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just wanted to bring that in. I thought that would please you guys. No, that's awesome. I'm also oh, working yeah, on a absolutely. photoshopped album cover of Emmett Brown and the saxophone king of Hillel. Oh, amazing. Great. <laughs> that's, oh, that would be a fantastic. Can't wait for that. It's it, it very possibly going to look a lot like one of the Duke Silver album covers from Parks and Rec. Oh, cool. oh, that that thing is going. That is that is. <laughs> I mean, that is going on the T-shirt site <laughs> um, for sure. And then, uh, it, yeah. So we do. We get the what I assume is um, somewhat uh, co- confirming our theory that uh, without without uh, Marty or Clara mm-hmm. ending up in the ravine. Um, it is ending up, it is going to continue to be called the show Nash ravine. One would assume uh, one would assume because doc, doc, doc clarify, he says Clayton and then corrects himself and says show Nash ravine. Uh, Assuming again, that no one else falls in there. Yeah. So, okay. We've all seen the end of this movie. I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. Sure. Three miles. Really? Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of underwhelming. I mean, it's it's a I'm looking at our schedule. It's a 20 minute sequence. Yeah. It's um, kind of like uh, it reminds me of uh, Fast and Furious six. There's this tarmac that just goes on for like miles and miles because there's like almost like a half hour long action sequence at the end. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Eh. I guess by that standard, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you got to assume that I, as they're cutting back and forth, they're doing simultaneous things at simultaneous times in, a, in several. That's instances, true. Right? That's true. Mm-hmm. That is very true. We think of it as linear, but it's probably not. It's nonlinear. Yeah. You're not thinking non-linear. fourth dimensionally. You're not thinking for you. <laughs> you never think fourth dimensionally. <laughs> I heard it. Oh, I'm being a real Marty, you guys. A real Martin J. McFlazzle. I also like Doc's correction from from hijack to borrow or literally from truth to just flat out lie. Yeah, Yeah. it's an alternative fact, Scott. Yeah, you're not. Oh, no. You're not borrowing that train. It's going to be the fastest train. train. We're going to do the best with trains. We're going to do time travel better than anybody else ever did. Oh man, he would have been terrifying in the Wild West. He would have been Mad Dog. He would have been Mad Dog Dan. Mad Dog uh, Trump. Had, man. Did you not establish that last year uh season? You know, that yeah. Biff Tannen is just essentially Donald Trump. Well yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We talked about that a lot. Um but uh yeah, so the, the I mean he's literally just straight up lying when he says we're gonna borrow the train. Because because he's lying in two fronts. Because even if they both left and ended up in 1985. They're not borrowing the train. They're destroying it. They're stealing it and destroying it. <sighs> oh, my God. Yeah. Scott. Number two. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, go. Number two. Uh, the, in this version, 
he not only they don't only just destroy it, but he steals it again to build the train time machine. So there's no borrowing going on. This is 100 percent hijack slash theft. You can whisper whatever lies you want to yourself. (laughs) You're a thief. Let me let me walk through this for a minute. So everyone assumes that Marty, sorry, Clint Eastwood in 1885, everyone is assuming Clint Eastwood goes off the ravine and dies. That's why it gets named Eastwood Ravine. But Emmett Brown is still there. He has to go through the process of being like, oh, I'm going to get this all these train parts back and rebuild it. And somewhere along the line, do you think that he perpetuated the story that it was Clint Eastwood who stole the train? Like, because no one really knew who did it. Like, there's the one guy who they like hijack, but under a mask. Right. So do you think that Doc goes back in time and he's like, oh, that Clint Eastwood guy. I thought he was a friend. He, He took the train. He drove it off the track. He died. It wasn't me, I swear. No. That makes makes a lot of sense. Although I think that he... And was it a joke? Did he do it to kind of rib Marty? Well, they wouldn't have... uh, I mean, I assume he did it, they did it, or he did it to send Marty a message as in to say, like, I'm okay. Like, look, I named the ravine after you. Like, everything's fine. (laughs) The I'm not Um, dead ravine. Right. The I'm not dead ravine. And I, I feel like he would have come up with some sort of heroic story because because otherwise, why in the world would you name it Eastwood Ravine if it was if you like stole true. a train? And Once there was a man named Eastwood. Drove it into ravine. Yeah. He stole our train. We named this ravine after him, hoping he'd come back with our train someday. <laughs> but he never did. Oh, man. <laughs> But uh, think, yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, then the point of no return. Yes. Um, which I really like as like the Bobs are really good at layering timetables. Yes, because there's so many elements that you have to get exactly right, like timed exactly right. In order for the third act to go down, right? And I mean, that's one of the things that I feel like was missing from Back to the Future Part Two is you didn't really have anything like that. You had a, you have an overarching timetable with trying to get the almanac back back from Biff, but really, it's not so much a timetable as like a cat and mouse game. Yeah, it's almost like Proto Inception with the amount of like simultaneous layers that are going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We have to get we have to we have to push the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour. In order to do that, we have to get the train up to 88 miles per hour. And 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 we have to do all of this by the time we hit the windmill or uh we're we're going to die. Like we're, and <laughs> so. we, which which actually raises the stakes from the first movie because death being trapped in 1955 was the problem. Yeah, not like immediately getting like crushed. Yeah, we're going to die. We're going to die here. So here's uh, about the point of no return. I found this little thing that I wanted to share with you guys. So it's written point of no return. The sign is literally written on a book. Did you ever get a chance to look into this? Mm-hmm. Do you know what the book is? No. So it's not anything you would no. know. It's called the Young and Field Literary Readers. Um, Mm -hmm. or Young and Flag or Young and Field. It's one or the other. I can't remember right now, but it wasn't published, according to my research, until 1916, which means that Doc had that damn thing in his car 
and brought it back with him <laughs> this whole huh. time. And it's a children's like reading book. Like it's it's an educational, like a textbook almost, <laughs> I believe. Um, published oh. published in Boston, I believe, in 1916. So either it's a, uh, a, a continuity error of sorts or Doc literally for some reason has a whole bunch of vintage early 1900s books in the DeLorean for no good reason. Or maybe well, a good never... reason. Maybe the same reason he keeps different years currency. Yeah. But again, I mean, you never know. You never know where you're going to end up or for how long. So I guess it's important to bring reading material. Mm-hmm. I thought it would have been cool if they were going to use a book. I know. Like, why not go Jules Verne or something? But. Right. Well, but there you go. There's a right. little little uh, prop. Yeah. Info well, for you. Good. Um. All right. Well, uh, that's uh, I think that's all we have for this minute. Yeah, I'm good. If you guys are good. I'm good. All right. Well, uh, Tofty's working on a shirt design. Uh, so <laughs> that, the, yeah, by yeah. The, at least I am now. <laughs> by the time this uh, by the time this comes up, uh, you know, we might uh, we might throw that on a shirt and be selling it at duelinggenre.com slash merch. Yes. Depends so on how busy there, I get with my uh, my geek by night score. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. Wink. Um, so, uh, so, so, go check that out. We've got shirts there. Um, it's our T Public store, and they, I mean, you know, the shirts are like twenty dollars, I think, normally, and then they're consistently they're like on sale once a month for like three days. I'm making a uh, note for like fourteen dollars right now. Like that, so to buy myself a what Lorraine what shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that shirt. All uh, right. Um. I uh, I really wanted I really want uh, uh, to make a shirt that says one point twenty one gigawatts with like a bajillion like exclamation point question marks like one point twenty one gigawatts and then on the back yeah, I, on the back it <laughs> says it again but with just more exclamation points. <laughs> uh so I want I want to do something like that but I don't what I don't want to just do it in the Back to the Future font. So I gotta, I gotta, I won't need to figure out. I also want to do is she pretty, but I don't know how to do that without <laughs> it looking like it's creepy to anyone who's wearing it. <laughs> is she pretty? Cause it's, it's like the best line, but yeah. Anyway. Um, so, uh, so go check that out. <laughs> go check that out. at duelinggenre.com slash merch. Maybe I'll have figured it out by now. I don't know. Yeah, we'll uh, see. And we'll talk to you tomorrow with Minute 49. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.